0: Our scripture passage this evening is Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 through 15, Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 through 15, so if you'd like, uh, please get out your Bibles where you're at at home or pull it up on your device or or screen, whatever it may be, BibleGateway.com is a a uh, website that i often use for looking at bible scripture passages on the computer colossians chapter 2 verse 6 through 15 this is paul speaking to the church in colossae about their salvation he says so then just as you received Christ Jesus as lord continue to live in him rooted and built up in him strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the flesh or the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, and raised with him through your faith and the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature or flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. As far as the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it to his people. We're also going to be looking at Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 26. Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 26 is about the sacrament of baptism. It is the first of two Lord's Days on the subject of baptism This is the Catechism. Question 69 asks, How does baptism remind you and assure you that Christ's one sacrifice on the cross is for you personally? The answer is this. In this way, Christ instituted this outward washing and with it gave the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly His blood and His Spirit wash away my soul's impurity. In other words... All my sins. What does it mean, question 70 says, to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? And the answer is to be washed with Christ's blood means that God, by grace, has forgiven my sins because of Christ's blood poured out for me in his sacrifice on the cross. To be washed with Christ's spirit means that the Holy Spirit has renewed me and set me apart to be a member of Christ so that more and more I become dead to sin. And increasingly live a holy and blameless life. Question 71 says, Where does Christ promise that we are washed with his blood and spirit as surely as we are washed with the water of baptism? And the answer is, in the institution of baptism where he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. This promise was repeated when Scripture calls baptism the washing of regeneration, and the washing away of sins. That's the teaching of the Catechism. I want to tell you a story that happened to me recently. Um, It uh, is—it's a funny story, but I think it's illustrative of what we're going to be talking about tonight. what baptism does for us, or what it represents, right? Uh, not too long ago, I, I got a picture um, from my wife. It was uh, a picture of my daughter Ellie Mae's crib. She's two years old. And uh, no description, uh, just a, a wonderful picture. And uh, it, it was self-explanatory. Uh, so what would ha- what had happened was uh, my daughter had taken a nap, and she woke up from her nap, and uh, before my wife came to get her out of the crib, uh, my daughter had taken her diaper off, and her diaper was a, uh, a number two diaper, and my daughter had found the uh, the excrement in her diaper, and she decided she would do things with it, like rub it all over her, like wipe it on the crib, like get it everywhere. And so my wife, she comes in and she finds my daughter in this fashion, in this state, in this condition. And it was a two-year-old girl who is not quite old enough to understand the grossness Of having poop all over her. And you might be asking, what does this story have to do with baptism? What does this story about your two-year-old daughter covered in excrement that she had smeared all over herself uh, have to do with baptism? Um, Because that's a picture of us in our sinful condition. Now maybe outwardly we can't see um, the excrement that is covering us but our souls. Our souls are are that. Are my two-year-old daughter Ellie Mae covered in poop. Um, We are stained. We are sinners. We are what the catechism says, full of impurities. And it would be strange, would it not, for my wife to come in there and to find my daughter um, covered in, in her own excrement and decide that what she should do first is put clothes back on Ellie Mae before she went and did anything else. No, this is what my, my, my wife did. She grabbed my daughter and she took her straight to the bath. To get cleaned off. And that's what baptism is. Baptism is that. Our theme tonight. Baptism. Comforts us. Remember. This is. Catechism of comfort, right? Comforts us by showing us that our sinful souls have been washed. Baptism comforts us by showing us that our sinful souls have been washed. And, uh, of course, the catechism tells us that our sinful souls have been washed by the blood and spirit of Christ our Savior. So we're going to look at um, this theme, statement, in our scripture passage in the catechism tonight in three points. Um, and they're pretty straightforward. They come right out of the catechism. The first is, how does it work? Um, The second question is, what does it mean? These are all in relation to baptism, right? How does it work? What does it mean? The third question is, how do we know? How do we know? And if you look at the catechism questions, the first question is, how does baptism, right? The second question, what does it mean? And the third question, where does Christ promise that we are? Uh, so, how do we know is more like where, where, do we, where are we told this? How do we know, right? So, this is our three points uh, this, this evening. Let's look at this first point. How does it work? How does it work? Uh, question 69 says How does baptism remind you and assure you that Christ, when sacrificed on the cross, is for you personally? So what's wonderful about the, the Heidelberg Catechism is it is uh, it personalizes. It personalizes, right? Um, this is a catechism where the comforted believer is answering the questions. A comforted believer is the one saying... Uh, My only only comfort in life and in death is that I am not my own. It's a personalized catechism, and, and that's what makes it so pastoral. That's what makes it so comforting, right? And question 69 is saying, how do you know, how does baptism remind you and assure you that Christ was sacrificed on the cross is for you personally? What we need to remember is, in the introduction to the sacraments in the Heidelberg Catechism, we were told... Are both the Word and the Sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? And the answer is right. In the Holy Gospel, the Holy Spirit teaches us, and through the Holy Sacraments, He assures us that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. So what I want us to remember is that as we look to baptism, don't forget the cross. Catechism doesn't want us to. The scriptures don't want us to. They want to show us that the cross, the work of our salvation on the cross and our faith in that cannot be separated from what the sacraments mean and how they work. So, look at our scripture passage this morning or this evening. Paul in uh, his writing to the church in, in, uh, in Colossae, says of Christ, this very Christ-centered passage, right? Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him. Verse 8, see that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ, Christ, Christ. Christ. Christ is the focus in Paul's instruction to the church in Colossae. He continues, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. And then, here's where Paul begins his discussion, a short discussion on baptism, right? And he relates it to circumcision. In him you were also circumcised. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision having been done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. So, uh, circumcision... How do you spell that? Like this. Circumcision is correlated to baptism. If you know your Bible, you will know that the covenant sign given in the Old Testament to the people of Israel, to Abraham and his descendants, was that of circumcision. And every male was to be circumcised on the eighth day to show that he was set apart as the people of Israel. And Paul says that circumcision correlates as the old covenant sign, to the new covenant sign, baptism. So where the old covenant people were given the sign of circumcision as a sign and seal of their faith, just as Abraham was, read Romans 4, we and the new covenant people are given a, the sign and seal of baptism to point to our faith in the promised and perfect work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Remember what I told you, don't forget the cross. Don't forget that the sacrament's purpose is to point us to Christ. That's its purpose. And that's what Paul is doing here. See, circumcision is to be cut off. And that's what it symbolizes. Cut off. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that, it was, that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. When Christ was put up on the cross, and he said those words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was put outside the camp. He was cut off. on the cross and his work on the cross is what makes us no longer those who are put out those who are cut off those who are set outside the camp You think of the lepers in the Old Testament, right? The lepers were those who had skin disease on them. And because they had the skin disease on them, they were to be quarantined. They were to be put outside the camp. They were to be away because they had this disease and it was it was communicable. And, and we're seeing that this is very enlightening to our current situation and circumstances with COVID-19, right? Well, that's what our souls are. Our souls are like my two-year-old daughter, covered in excrement. And we don't deserve to be in the camp. We don't deserve to be in the camp in the presence of of God. We are cut off from the presence of God. We are cut off. And so in order for us to be drawn near to the presence of God, we must be washed. We must be cleansed. And our washing and our cleansing comes in the fact that Christ was cut off for us. He was treated as a leper, as a sinner, as who, one who was not meant to be in the presence of God for us. And it's that thing, that very thing that was accomplished by Christ on the cross that is signified to us and sealed to us in Baptism. Christ instituted this outward washing and with it gave the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and his spirit wash away my soul's impurities. In other words, all my sins. I've told you this before as we've been looking at the catechism. God did not mean to give us baptism. He gave it to us because he understands our weakness. He gave it to us because he understands that we, as people, we we want something that we can feel. We want something that we can see. And that's what the sacraments are. They are the visible, physical, tangible word. They are the water that we feel, that we see. That we hear as it splashes. That point us to Christ and his work on the cross. How does it work? The outward washing gives us the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body. As surely as my two year old daughter was washed away, that the excrement that she had smeared all over herself was washed away in the bath that my wife gave her, so certainly Christ's blood and spirit washes away our souls' impurities. In other words, all our sins. So when Paul presents baptism, in the scriptures, he does not do it apart from the cross. And neither should we. Second question. What does it mean? What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? So... Um, the outward washing we can understand—it's water being placed on the body, on the head, um, however uh, that's done. Um, but how do you? How are you washed uh, by the blood and the spirit? And this is word, these are, this is language that's used in the scriptures, right? Uh, people come up to, to John and they say, what are you doing? Why are you, um, why are you out here calling Israel to repentance? Why are you baptizing them? And John said, I am not the Christ. I baptize with water. But there is one who comes after me that baptizes with the Spirit and with fire. So this is language used in the uh, scriptures concerning the work of Christ, about uh, being baptized, being washed with Christ's blood and spirit. The first is washed with Christ's blood. It means that God, by grace, has forgiven my sins because of Christ's blood poured out for me in his sacrifice on the cross. So being washed by the blood means sins forgiven. And Paul talks about this as well, right? Um, I read it to you earlier in Colossians, but after he says you've been uh, circumcised, been buried with him in baptism, raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. He continues, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. All. All. He forgave us all our sins, and this is how God accomplished this uh, through Christ on the cross. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. So Paul's explanation of this aspect of baptism, that the blood it represents, being washed by the blood represents our sins being forgiven in its entirety, all our sins. The the way that occurred on the cross is a written code that stood against us. What's that written code that stood against us? It's the law. The law of God. Perfect. The perfect law of God, which we could not live up to. Which we failed at which only heaped up more and more guilt against us. As long as that written code of law stood between us and fellowship with God, we would always be and continue to be covered in the excrement of our own sin. But what Jesus did on the cross canceled that written code not because that written code wasn't perfect, not because that written code no longer exists as a standard of gratitude for us, but canceled the guilt that was against us because of our failure to keep the written code. How did he do that? Because Christ kept the written code and was treated as one who did not and received in his own body and soul the punishment that we deserved for our breaking that written code. Therefore, Christ took our punishment, the punishment we deserved. That's how he nailed our guilt to the cross. And in so doing, remember, this morning I spoke of this that having disarmed the powers and authorities, the tyranny of the devil that was against us, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Christ was victorious over Satan and his minions, over the principality, the power of the air. He was victorious over that kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, so that we could leave the tyranny Of the devil for the rule and reign of Christ. By the blood, being washed by the blood means our sins are forgiven in all. That our guilt because of our not keeping the law of God is canceled. Not arbitrarily, but it's canceled because Christ bore it for us. There's a second part, right? What does it mean to be washed by Christ's spirit? To be washed with Christ's spirit means that the Holy Spirit has renewed me and set me apart to be a member of Christ so that more and more I become dead to sin and increasingly live a holy and blameless life. It means Holy Spirit, empowered, living. As surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly Christ's blood and His Spirit wash away my soul's impurities, in other words, all my sins. There's another aspect to baptism, isn't there? You read the Old Testament uh, prophecies about the New Covenant and its realities, you will read that part of it is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And when I say that, it, it invokes the imagery of water, right? Of washing, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. is to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit to be renewed by him, set apart as a member of Christ so that more and more I become dead to sin and increasingly live a holy and blameless life. You see, baptism does not only represent the canceling of our sin, right? Uh, The clean slate Baptism does not only represent the clean slate, right, but it represents a renewed life, a changed life, a living that is different than before. not only a clean slate, not only a washing away of our sins, but a new obedience to God, a new way of living that says, I'm not the person I was before. You don't go to the font knowing that you are covered in the excrement of your own sin, being washed by the blood of Jesus Christ and washed by the Spirit of Christ and then walk away an unchanged person. Because if those realities that the baptismal font is pointing to are pointing to. That you have been forgiven of all your sins. By the perfect work of Christ on the cross. And that you have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit poured out upon you. Who has regenerated you and created faith in you. And who is sanctifying you. If those realities are true. by true faith in Christ then you will live a new life. You'll be different. Not only have you been washed your soul cleansed but the cleansing of your soul has made you a different person. Who's no longer subject to Satan. Who no longer has to always say yes to temptation. But can't escape from it. For God has given us a way out. You are a new creation. And baptism. Baptism means that. It means not only are you forgiven, you're new. So my question to all of you is that, do you ponder your baptism at all? Do you think of your baptism? Many of us maybe don't even realize this, but this is a long-standing practice. Uh, the, longer, uh, the larger catechism, the Westminster Confession of Faith says that we are called to improve on our baptism. Martin Luther, often, and he was in the midst of great struggle and temptation against sin, he would say, if Satan says to you, uh, you know, it gives you all these accusations and brings the sin against you, that you are, you are to say, I am baptized. Do you claim the promises that are signed and sealed to you in your baptism on a regular basis? Do you look to your baptism and say, because I've been baptized, I have been forgiven of all my sins, and I have been given the Spirit and can live a new life? When we see uh, children brought to the font and receive that baptism, do you think of your own baptism? Do you think of what it means to you? You don't have to remember it. You don't have to have been adult, an adult, and be baptized to think and ponder your own baptism, to think and ponder what it means and what God said to you and what God is doing for you because of that. Because that sign and seal placed on you is a sign and seal of the promised and completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross. In the Holy Spirit that lives in you now, by true faith in Christ, you have those realities. And your baptism is there to strengthen you and encourage you in your faith. What does it say? In the Holy Sacraments, He assures us that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. What does it mean? That means you've been redeemed from sin to a new life in Christ. So, congregation, people, wherever you may be, look to your baptism. Look to your baptism and be reminded of the grace God has shown you in Jesus Christ in forgiving you of all your sins and empowering you to live as a new creation. All right. The last question, then, that we have to answer is essentially uh, a proof text. I mean, that's what it is. Um, The last point is how do we know, right? How do we know? And you might think this is sort of an after-the-fact question, um, and, and you may be wondering why didn't I word it? Where where do we find this? Um, and it's because I want us to think about the uh, I want us to think about the reality that uh, baptism uh, should not be separated from the word. It's the word and the sacraments. It's the word and the sacraments. And that's essentially what question 71 in the Heidelberg Catechism is doing. It says, where does Christ promise that we are washed with his blood and spirit as surely as we are washed with the water of baptism? And he quotes, uh, the Catechism quotes, first of all, Matthew chapter 28, the institution of baptism, of course. Many of us are familiar that from that with the, with the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Catechism also quotes from Mark sixteen sixteen. I don't think that uh, verse is original to uh, the New Testament text. Um, Regardless, I think uh, what it is stating is not theologically inaccurate or untrue. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Um, There is a correlation between faith and the efficacy of baptism. If you you, uh, don't believe and are baptized, you won't be saved. If you don't believe, you'll be condemned. Um, But if you believe and are baptized, you will be saved. This promise is repeated when Scripture calls baptism the washing, washing of regeneration. And one other thing, the washing away of sins. In Titus chapter 2, I believe it's Titus chapter 2. Oh, nope. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Paul calls baptism the washing of regeneration. The washing away of sins is from Paul's own account of his salvation, given to uh, a testimony, given to King Festus, I believe. 22, verse 16. He said that when Ananias came to him in the hotel, Ananias said to him, get up, be baptized, washing away your sins. Washing away your sins. And these two things are not meant to confuse us. What it's meant to uh, display is that the, there is a connection, a correlation between what Christ has said about, um, about the sacraments and what Christ uh, has said about the word, right? Later on, we're going to read. We're going to read when we talk about the institution of the Lord's Supper. Why then does Christ call the bread his body and the cup his blood or the new covenant in his blood? Paul uses the words of participation in Christ's body and blood. And the answer that is given in the catechism is applicatory Applicable to both baptism and the Lord's Supper, it says Christ has good reason for these words. He wants to teach us that as bread and wine nourish our temporal life, so to his crucified body and poured out blood truly nourish our souls for eternal life. But more importantly, he wants to assure us by this visible sign and pledge that we, through the Holy Spirit's work, share in his true body and blood, as surely as our mouths receive these holy signs in his remembrance, and that all of his suffering and obedience are as definitely ours, as if we personally had suffered and paid for our sins." That means there is a connection between uh, the sign and the thing signified, that they can be spoken in correlation with each other. And so when Paul calls baptism the washing of regeneration, he is talking about um, how how, how baptism functions as a sign of regeneration as a sign of the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, which is one of the two parts of baptism, right? That baptism shows us, the outward washing shows us, that we've been washed by the blood of Christ and by His Spirit. So this points to the Spirit. And then the washing away of sins, get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, points to the fact that baptism, the outward washing, represents... The washing that is done by the blood of Christ on the cross, it's a washing away of sins. It's not that baptism in and of itself washes away our sins. It's not that baptism in and of itself is the regenerating work that regenerates us. But it is the fact that these things, baptism and the actual work of Jesus Christ, are meant to be correlated together, connected together, so that they can be spoken of in tandem with each other. Which is important for us to get and grasp. Because there's so much confusion that can happen uh, from these realities. I come from a tradition that has confused these realities in particular about baptism greatly. And because of that, they have a a, a very confusing and um, um, semi-orthodox or even false doctrine of baptism. Uh, How does baptism remind you and assure you that Christ's one sacrifice on the cross is for you personally? Um, Question the answer to question 71 is that it only does so because we know that it comes, it's instituted in the Word. The Word in the sacraments. The Word and the Spirit work together. How do we know? The Bible tells us so. The Bible tells us so in the institution of baptism, Matthew chapter twenty-eight, and Titus three five, Acts twenty-two verse sixteen, Colossians two uh, six to fifteen. The Bible tells us so. The Bible, which is God's inspired word to us, so that we can that we can know, given to us, so that we can know. What would baptism mean without God's preserved word? It would mean nothing. What would baptism mean without the Spirit of God working through it? It would mean nothing. What would baptism be without the perfect and completed and finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for our salvation? It would mean nothing. It would be water. That's it. But because all these things are true, because they are realities, because we have an objective standard, the Word of God, which is outside of us, which teaches us what baptism means and how it works. We can know. We can know that baptism was given to us by God because he understands our weaknesses. And that the pouring of water upon our bodies is to be something that points us to What was done for us on the cross, and what was done for us in the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. I want to close with this. Like I said before, all of us, before God's grace, were like my two year old daughter, covered in our own excrement. Not even aware of how disgusting or repulsive that is. And it's because God stooped down to us in Jesus Christ, his son. It is because God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And it's because God raised him from the dead three days later and it's because God poured out the Holy Spirit that we, although we were once covered in our own excrement, in the excrement of our sins, the impurities of our souls, we've been washed by the blood of Christ and by the Spirit of Christ. And we see that. We see that in baptism. May you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, the love of God for you because of that sign and seal of baptism that you received. And if anybody's watching tonight and they haven't been baptized, and the question for you is, what's keeping you? What's keeping you from receiving the grace of God that points you to the love of God in Christ Jesus on the cross? We've been washed. Amen. Heavenly Father we thank you for your word we thank you that you have given us the sacrament of baptism what a great comfort it is it shows us that our sinful souls have been washed by the blood and spirit of Christ our Savior not because we're deserving of it because you are so tremendously gracious. Help us, Lord, to improve upon our baptism. To be reminded once again of our complete and total forgiveness. That no longer are there any sins held against us. No longer is there any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And help us, Lord, to be renewed in our understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit within us. That we may live new lives of obedience out of gratitude for the salvation that we have received in you. Help us to be a baptized people. living in light of all that baptism means, all that baptism has shown us, all that baptism points us to. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.